0: Alrighty, can anybody remember, I wasn't here last week, but can anybody remember what I spoke about the week before, the main point? Most of the, mostly we have quite a few new people here, and everybody usually is here is not here, so I'm going to remind you a do you remember? Yeah, that's very, very true, that's one of the things, uh, we also talked about, Living from the inside out. Uh, we threw up a diagram. I'm going to get Sebastian to do three jobs at once. <laughs> but we threw up a diagram that was done by a friend of mine named Ian Clayton. And it and it was basically showing the three parts of man. Uh, and we looked at that we most haven't reversed now, but that's not the original intention, how God wants us to live. They want us to live on the inside out. I'm going to hit a couple scriptures for you this uh, in Jeremiah 31:33 it says, "This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after the time declares the Lord. I'll put my laws on their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man need to teach his neighbor a man, uh, a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I forgive their wickedness, I'll remember their sins more. This is what the Lord says. And you have that diagram up there? Good. Now, it's kind of a busy, uh, if I would have had time, I would have shortened it a little bit. But this is the outside band is the body, inside is the soul, and inside is, it's the spirit man. And we were designed from the very, very beginning to live from the inside. If you remember, we talked about the garden. There was two trees in the garden. In the garden, we talked about Hebrew meaning of garden is really is like fence or bride. And so when it talks about being in the center and what God wanted us to eat out of one tree only, and that was the tree of life and uh, not the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he didn't want us to touch that because he said on the day you touch that you shall surely die. Well, it's that center place that started off. What was in the center of the garden, which was symbolic of our life, was God. And there he was. It was his first love. That was God's intention. And man lived from the inside out. In other words, from his first love, the presence of God filled the spirit man, poured over into his soul and to his whole body, where he was a representation and uh, lived a life that glorified God. That's the original intention. That's what God has planned for us. When we saw the fall, we saw some other things happen. We saw, first of all, let's go to Genesis 3, 6 through 7. I'm just going to read this one, two or three scriptures here. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made a covering for themselves. We're just going to kind of talk about this a little bit because this is kind of a, a, a thing that you have to kind of really work through to understand. Because this is... A lot of stuff that I've taught, and now I want to try to put it into practical terms. Well, come on. Uh, put it in practical terms where this is something that will help you live your life. See, most of us go along. After the fall, what happened was it says the scripture says that they were kicked out of the garden. And they no longer were able to enter the garden. And it says that there was an angel put with a flaming sword to keep them from entering that garden again. And from that point on, man began to live from the outside in. The first consequence of the fall, if you remember, was they noticed they were inadequate. They took a look at themselves and saw that they were naked. Everything from that point on began to look at from the outside. They would see things, how they saw themselves was based upon how you saw me. Am I okay? Am I okay? I'm looking to you to tell me I'm okay. Because that's what happened. When the fall came, it was no longer God in the center giving direction and understanding. And we knew we were okay because God loves us and we're okay. We were at that place where we're waiting for everyone else to tell us we're okay. And that's kind of predicament we're in today. We're looking for people to say that we're okay. If you notice, that uh, uh, another thing happened too. Remember the scripture says, live by faith and not by sight? Because what happened was the reverse happened. We now begin to no longer live by faith, the thing of, of God on the inside. We begin to live by what we see. because So it's not only am I, am I okay from you, it's also what I'm seeing around here describes everything who I am. And this is a big shift. This is a very, very big shift. This was not God's intention for us to be that way. He intended us for to live from the inside out. Why is that important? Because when the cross came... We have that opportunity, again, to live from the inside out. We have the opportunity to see ourselves from God's perspective. We have that opportunity to to have a communion with God and the expression of God pouring out. Now, most of us spend, uh, I mean, half the time I spend my time trying to make myself okay, half the time... (laughs) I, I I I look around and I am doing the same thing. I love it on the outside and trying to get more God on the inside. But that's not what's necessary, is it? I want to read a couple of scriptures to you that may we sometimes forget. One of them is Galatians two twenty. It says, I I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. That's the thing with the cross. When when we said yes to God, we died to ourselves and we have a new life based upon the inside. But I want to draw you to uh, Romans eight eleven. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Colossians 2, 9 through 12. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lived in bodily form. And you have been given the fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised and put it, put off the old sinful nature, not with a s- circumcision done with the hands of men, but a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised him through faith in the power of God who will raise you from the dead. The same God, same power that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you, it says. The power, the same power, is in us. So why do we run around trying to get more God in us? There is something happens, and I can't explain to you. When we, we go to worship and we have a lot of outside things, or you walk into a place where God's presence is really strong, it does witness to your spirit. But the scriptures say, unless it's lying, that the the same God dwells in you. Now, this is the promise. You know, the, the Old Testament was a whole shadow of what was yet to come. And in the Old Testament, we had uh, the courts of the Gentiles. We had the uh, uh, court of the priest, We had the holy and the holy of holies, inner part. And when Jesus died, it says that curtain was ripped down the middle and there was a new way in. The whole idea of the Old Testament is that Christ would come dwell within us. Now we are the temple of God. Now, that's why I have this thing up here. There's a lot we're going to do with this and, and, and show you how to live this out more fully. But you have God living in you. You don't need to run around to get more of God. That is a lie from the enemy. The lie says, just as it did in the garden, You're inadequate. You don't measure up. That's what the lie says. It says you do not have what it takes to make up. That's a flat lie. Because the truth is very clear. God dwells within you. These gates here. There's different gates here. I'm going to go through some of those. Not today, but I'm going to go through them. But you see, the spirit man is where God dwells within. The soul is is the next layer out there, is kind of that actualizer. It's the thing that makes it happen. It's what happens to your soul? Remember when when uh, Satan lied t- to Eve? She said, first of all, you won't surely die, which is a lie. He first of all spoke to her soul. She had seen with her eyes, and she heard him speak. This is the outer gate's See these outer gates? Eye, smell, hearing, taste, all the... So in other words, he, she was able to see some things and the enemy spoke into her soul, duplicating, trying to duplicate like uh, the Lord does. He would speak to her soul and try to give an idea that somehow you're inadequate, that somehow that she needed to get something more from the outside than what God had already given her. And what he did is he is he created a, a lie in her that she played with. Remember the scripture talks about when you, uh, you look at something, you, uh, uh, something conceives in you, and then when fully grown, it gives birth to death? Well, that's the process of what happened with her. That's explained uh, in the scriptures. So what happened is the enemy spoke to her soul, and he substituted some things. He substituted things thing, sight, for faith. She no longer, what he's able to do is get her to no longer believe the truth that the God spoke when you won't surely die. That's not always what's going to happen to you. And to believe what he had said, he'd be able to spoke something in there by what she had sought. Lust, taking a look at, boy, that looks good for food. That is pleasing. That's desirable for gaining wisdom. This is what the enemy said to her. And she believed it and fell. And at that point, she lived on the outside in, of the inside out. But you have a new opportunity. And that's to live from the inside out. Now, Matthew 6.22 says, I is a lamp into the body. And it says if it's, if it's whole, if it's, it's focused on God, then it's going to be full of light. If it's not, it won't be. So, these gates that take us into there is we're going to have to learn how to open up because we have a new way we have God living within us and you see the very very first gate that has to happen is a first love for God if you have that that's the thing that happened when you first got saved and that's the thing that uh, in the book of Revelation one of the churches were criticized you forgot your first love and because of that what happens? Some other things happen in your life. You don't listen to it. So when that first love thing open, it fills your spirit man. And that spirit man is filled with the presence of God. Then there's some other things that need to get into your soul. You have to become influenced by what's in you rather than what's outside of you. And in becoming influenced by what's in you, your outside activity is going to change. Most of us try and get in trouble And the whole Old Testament told us we couldn't do that. Most of us get in trouble because we try to live by rule or regulation. We think that outside living, the things that we've heard told, the performance of what we do will make us more holy. Okay? When the truth is, the first love with God will make us more holy. Now, I know you guys know that. You've heard it in different parts in the scriptures. It's an understood thing, but it's not understood until it takes place in our hearts. Until we begin to understand that every time we try to obey by the outside rules, we're falling back to the way that the, the fall came. We're falling back to the rules and regulations, the things the whole Old Testament talked about. And the whole Old Testament was there to show us that those rules are powerless to make us holy. Powerless. Book of Revelation talks about that. Uh, the whole Old Testament talks about it. the outside influences have no power to make you the way you're supposed to be, but it's God within us. So that brings me to a question. What do we do to change that? How do we open those gates? Gates in the Bible were on were, um, the cities and everything. And there was gates and they were the weak points of the city. Because a gate could be entered much more easily than a wall could. And so what they do is they put guards on there. they would be gatekeepers on those particular areas. And that gatekeeper decided, as we've talked about before, what goes in to that city and what comes out of it. And what rules were made there were very, very important. The gates were also the place where the prophets spoke, where the elders met, where the major transactions, if you're going to buy some property, you meet at the gate. And you talk about that. This was the center. So gates are very, very important. Gates are extremely important. But how do you open a gate? We talked about before that each one of us are gatekeepers, whether it's just for our own life or for a marriage or a family or a church or a city or a nation, whatever. We're each gatekeepers. But the first, the most important gatekeeper we are is the gates in our heart. We don't have God express in our life. Not because God's not in there. It's because something has defiled the gates and not allowed the presence of God to come out. It's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's about sanctification. That's what Jesus said he came to do, didn't he? Sanctify us. Why? He designed us, knowing that those things have to be sanctified. So we had gates, and what we allow in is in us. And what we don't is not. Now, that's why when people talk about pornography and stuff, they talk about watch out for your eye gate, or the things you listen to, or the things you speak. All those things, defile. The these are bodily gates. And it's we don't want to defile those gates. But they aren't going to change us by not doing it. What's going to change us is on the inside. How do you make those things holy? Let's speak about the first thing that happened, the center gate, the first love, that's what died first. When when uh, Satan said to Eve, you shall not surely die, he lied. What happened then was that sealed off the first love. Because, you know, we operate on what, what's most important to us. No longer was the first love, love of God, what made her move. She made a, a decision based upon what she saw. So she gave up that first love, and that was the first thing that died. Once that was closed off, then it's pretty dark inside, because God is what filled her. And now the influence came from the outside, what you saw, what you saw. Everything was based upon those type of things, things that she was uh, live up to. But the promise is in John 7, 38 through 39, is whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him." not from out within them. We read those scriptures, we don't really believe that's what it says. But no, that's what it really says. This is paramount that we understand these truths because for us to change, it's got to be on the inside out. Now, the spirit gate is based on what? Faith, isn't it? And Second Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by side. Now, notice the gates he has up there. Faith, hope, revelation, intuition, fear of God, reverence, worship, and prayer. Those are the gates that we have. When we did that initiative out here, what the enemy had done over the past he defiled the gates and because of that this area suffers when we went out there to begin to reverse that we didn't go out there saying to the people who are doing that you are in sin this that or the other we went out by asking for forgiveness and mercy for our ignorance and forgiveness and mercy for what's happened and we asked God to begin to bless that's why the first thing God has us to do is repent Father forgive me that's that opened up that uh, first love. How do you guys increase your love for God? Anybody? Hey, Melody. Huh? Okay. That'd, that'd be uh, a revelation. Or Look at those gates there. ask Him? How many of you guys ask God for for a greater love for Him on a regular basis? Good. To keep on asking the more you get? When He gives you a little bit, you ask for more, don't you? If you're so wise, you do. When He gives you a little bit more, you ask for more. Because it increases. Go ahead.
1: I know. It's like any good thing that you get, you know, you get a little bit of it. You want more. And so when you really have it up, when you really connect with God's love for you, then it releases in you more hunger for him. His whole goal is to bring you closer to him so that you can really be transformed in the image of his son. That's our ultimate goal. So as we, as we seek him and, and we connect, then we just want more because we're, it will never be enough
0: and what happens when you don't really want more I mean I've got to say a lot of my life was based upon asking for it when I didn't have it you know I mean well, I know myself is driven I am driven towards God there's no question about my mind I am driven and and even before I knew him I was driven I knew I was driven I knew I'd be a Christian one day I had no question about it. I knew the life I'd live as a Christian I was driven there was something in me says said that I should be this way, though I can't be. Though I had no power to live it out, I want to be. That was what was in me from the very beginning. And so what I did was when I didn't even have the love, I began to ask him for it, ask him for it, ask him for it. You know what? It took some time. But God is faithful. and he began to give me a little taste. You know? We've all had a taste. I
1: oh, yeah, oh, am yeah. up. Kind of so, because recently had uh, situation. That uh, talks about this like we're talking about Christ's love and sharing the gospel of love. And I said that you know, since I knew Christ and had more love for me, I realized it was important really for me to share the gospel and that love that we're talking about. So I'm wondering where do you get it from?
0: Oh, that's a very good question. Now we went through we've been in Romans eight, and what's it say? There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Is that what it says? Okay. And we went through that whole series in Romans to show you that we're absolutely pure in God. Because what? Because of his blood. As the script, one of the scriptures I mentioned, because it's no longer us that lives, but rather Christ that lives within us. So, it's not about God loving us. It says why we were yet sinners in Romans, he died for us. Now how much more that we are his, is he going to love us? I mean, that's kind of paraphrase of it. So it's not having to get God to love us. It's not getting more a love of God in us. It's getting it out of us. Those are gates where we're going to go through to do that. That's what happens. Now, there's twofold. There's more than twofold. But the two main folds I'm going to talk about is, is one is that Christ would be seen in our life. You know, it's not only in what we say with our mouth, but in our actions. Those gates have to be open for that to happen. The second thing is that our decisions, which are made from our soul, that's not a bad thing. Our soul is the thing that God put in us as a governor to make what happens. It's either influenced by God or influenced by the world. God or the world. Okay? So that's the second thing that we want to see change. And the third thing, we're going to teach you how to do spiritual warfare with this. A different warfare than you see. A different way of doing things than what you've ever had before.
1: I don't know if this is time or place but being on the same page that you're on mm-hmm. um, the verse that comes to me for a long time was um, if you love me you will obey me mm-hmm. and so where's that fine line of thinking that is legalistically because oh well I want to prove to God that I love him though I don't but I want to prove to him that I love him by my through my obedience becomes <laughs> legalistic. And you don't
0: out well. <laughs> well. The legalistic is when you got to obey him so he'll love you. That's legalism. When, when, when it's just like, if, like with my wife, if because as the law says and the Bible says, don't commit adultery, I don't commit adultery. That, that's there, I'm not going to do it because of that, too. But if that's what runs me, I missed. If what runs me is because I love my wife and want to please her. That's a different thing, but it has the same effect. And what you're talking about is an outward influence, you know, rules to be okay with God. We don't have those rules to be okay with God. If I can't make anything louder, you're okay with God. God is flat, madly in love with you. He's so blown away with you. Every aspect of you he loves. There's nothing he doesn't love. Nothing. Even our, in our sins. Why we got sinners? Christ? died for us. You can't have greater love for someone than to die for. The difference is, one's the outside. One is doing things for acceptance from God. That's an outward. The other is because you love him, you want to do things. That is not legalism. You know, because you want to please him. That's why Paul says, all things are legal, but not all things are beneficial.
1: You know, when you were saying that, I thought about, you know, we all went to Well, you see, like this. In school, you know, remember the good citizen star that you would get on Fridays if you did everything great? (laughs) But the deal is, from the time we were born here on this earth, it had always been that if you do this, then you are accepted, appreciated, rewarded. And so really that's our mindset when we approach God. See, That becomes the world's way of saving. So, we take that same system and we apply it to how we deal with God, God said He loves us first. So, we're already in love. We're already in the love circle. And because we love God, then we want to please Him. So, in essence, we do what we do because we love Him, not so we can get His love because we already have it. But the world has twisted our minds. It's very difficult to get out of that training or that paradigm that makes you say, well, in, in order for God to love me, I have to do this. Because that's how the world says everything. If you want to get paid, you have to work. If you want to get a raise, you have to work hard. If you want to get the certificate of appreciation, you have to go over and above. So everything in our life is on that system. And yet God is absolutely the awesome.
0: opposite. Right. Even parents, most parents raise their kids so you know, what's a good kid? He's the quiet one, isn't he? He's the one that caused the parents the least amount of difficulties. Uh, you know, uh, 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 it's very few parents that teach their kid that I love you no matter what you do. You know, it's not earned. You can't earn my love. I love you, period. And because of that, what you want to put in the kid's heart is the idea that they want to please you because they know you love them. That's what we're supposed to teach our kids. And we don't always pull it off as well. But, uh, Sydney's right. From the very beginning, that's actually in my notes, by the way. <laughs> uh, from the, you're you right on it. <laughs> from the very, very beginning, you guys need to lighten up. I'm so tight today. Uh, from the very, very beginning, we are trained that way. We are. We, 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 we we're all by it. And it, it, really, we can't quite say the very beginning. Because the very beginning we weren't. It was after the fall. Remember the consequences gee, I'm naked. That went from not looking. They didn't, and Jesus, I mean, uh, God asked him, he says, who told you you were naked? You know? That's what, you know, what you would think. That's a dumb question. But no, it's not. Because they didn't live that way. They didn't live by outside influence. They lived by the inside out. There was no condemnation. There was no rules or regulations. matter of fact, the scripture says, from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, sin existed, but no account of it was taken because there was no law law given, no rules or regulations. But it always existed. So now, why I have this picture and why I'm belaboring this on on purpose, because I want you to begin to think of everything you do, which way you're listening. Are you listening from being influenced from the outside? Are you being influenced from the inside? Is your is, is is what you do what influences your soul on making decisions to stay out of sin based upon you know, to look good for church, to look good, or is it because of your love for God? One has power, one doesn't. One has judgment and one doesn't. See there is no condemnation, those in Christ Jesus. Those who live from the inside out, there's no condemnation. Now, the thing is, is to get, learn how to allow God to influence our decisions based upon our love for God. The first one is the uh, first love. God be first. That opens the door. When Jesus died on the cross, I said the curtain was ripped and opened up. First love, Christ. He's opened that up. And when we said yes to him, most of us fell in love with them, and then sometimes got busy and fell out. As a matter of fact, sometimes, all of us have moved in and out of that over the time. But you see, there's no condemnation. It doesn't matter that you don't feel the strongest love for him. That's one thing that God gave me quite a bit of freedom on. I knew I didn't love him the way I should. But I didn't feel convicted, you know, condemned. Him. I mean, I felt convicted. Oh, I need more of that. Give me more. So God's in us. He fills our inner man, okay, our spirit man. Then we have to allow him out into our soul because when, when that spirit man gets into our soul, he influences us to make decisions in different ways. Not by the written code, this is his memory, he says, I will write my laws upon their heart. That would be the inward thing. Not by written code, but because of the love of God. The law that he wrote was Christ. He says, I'm the completion to the law. I'm the fulfillment of all the law. I'm the fulfillment to all that. That's who I am. So that's bit, that's why this. Now, I'm, you guys haven't been here before. This is like, this is college material compared to usually kindergarten material. It really is. It's much more complex stuff we talk about here. Because what we want is a life that lived after God in the fullest. Not just all fun, you know. Because I I tell you, there are troubling times ahead. And you're going to have to understand this stuff in the heart. and You're going to have to have a life that is not like we've seen over the last several hundred years in America, or especially the last 50 or 60, to be able to walk this out. So God wants us to learn to live by faith. Remember, faith, not by sight. Why? Sight is outward gate. Faith is the based upon God that dwells within us. We have to believe with faith that God loves us and paid the price for us. We have to believe that there is no condemnation. Because if we think there's condemnation, we think there's, we're locked in our sins, what does the scripture say? If you think that, that's the way it is with you. You know, if it's a rule of regulation, I can't think of a scripture right offhand right now, but I, I can't even think what it is, but, but it's going to be as you see yourself. Yeah, there it is. Say it out again. As you think in your heart, so are you. Yeah, as you think in your heart, so are you. That's exactly what I was trying to think of. So, so if you really think that you're under condemnation, you're going to live a life under that. That's not going to be freeing. But if you understand the truth, truth will set you free. Then you'll understand that we, that we are, we have God dwell within us. And what's the scripture? Even the Old Testament says, you know, what made the altar holy? was not the altar, but was who was on it. And he made everything around it holy, because whatever he touches, God makes holy. That's how it works. So God wants to touch all these areas of your life, so you are a representation of him. That, that when, when people look at you, they see the Father. That's the idea. Most of that makes you nervous when you say that, even. But that's what God's intention is. But if you don't make it, and we won't, there's mercy. So we gotta, we've got got to, ever played a game that you can't lose? That's what you've got here. You can't lose. There's no more rules and regulations. You can't lose this. There's no way of losing this game. Because it says nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing, not one thing, nothing on heaven and earth, nothing can separate it. Only you can choose to go your own way, because God gives us the free will, but there's nothing else that will do it. No sin, No. no anything else. I want you to be free. I want these things opened up that <clears throat> your soul is permeated with the presence of God. that'll cause you to be out there doing things that you wouldn't normally do, like going out there and witnessing uh, 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 giving things to people, uh, loving people, living a life that's not based upon yourself. I saw a movie this uh, on the plane right back. It was kind of see if I can put it together. I hadn't thought about mentioning it it was uh i can't remember the name of it but it was about this dentist that was very very self-focused he didn't want to be with anybody didn't like anybody didn't talk with anybody didn't do anything for anybody nothing he was it was just i mean he couldn't stand his own people in his office he had gotten hurt in the past that's what usually people are like that they're very much pain in their life and he actually went in for some minor surgery and died for about seven minutes and came back to life and in that he began to see the dead all the time they came up, when they found out he could see him, they came out talking to him to make a long movie short. What it turned out to be was that that the whole thing was set up so he would not live to himself. he lived for others. you know it was a sweet movie it was a, it was a very simple sweet movie it was, a very, it was funny too. It was a good movie, but the whole idea and that 's why God wants us for us we have an example of Jesus who live for you and I. It continues to live for you and I. The whole scripture says we live in Christ and through Christ. Because it's him who lives within us. So how do we get these gates open? Sanctification. So, you see the different disciplines in life in there? Prayer, reverence for God, faith, hope, worship, revelation, inspiration, fear of God. Those are all gates we read the scriptures that we get inspired by God. And that, that, that we would have uh, maybe revelation uh, or maybe go to worship. Worship is not just up here singing. It's, it's just loving God, going after God. <coughs> Those things are not to make you more holy, which is the way most of the time we think about it. It's to get God on the outside. You don't worship. You don't worship so you get more God in you. You worship so you can get more God out of you. That's a di- difference than most of you think. Difference than I thought. To tell you the truth. He wants more of us out of us. I didn't realize that, that occurred to me right now. Hope. Same thing. It's not hope to get God in us. It's a hope to get God out of us. So how do we get those areas open in our lives? The first is the truth the truth is you've been forgiven so you ask for forgiveness and in your reverence for god or faith for god you ask that god would come in and cleanse that gate in you how do i put it in really just simple terms uh We talked about before when we did this initiative out here. The enemy, if you've ever been around church where God moves a lot, though, you'll find different sacrifices around the church. They'll, they'll, they'll spill blood on the ground. They'll urinate on the ground. They'll, uh, they'll do all kinds of things, defile what's around it. Because churches are gates too. When, when they defile what's around it, this building has a lot of defilement in it. Uh, we're breaking it off slowly. But when they defile it, it closes down the kingdom of heaven, and opens up the kingdom of hell. Only one. Maybe you can only have one. Remember, you can only eat from the tree of life or knowledge of good and evil. One or the other. There's no... As a matter of fact, the, the scripture I read a lot to you is, you know, and I mentioned it here, it says, don't be... Uh, those eyes that are good be filled with light. And if your eyes are bad, they'll be filled with darkness. And the actual Greek word for there is if you have double vision, in other words, you're looking at heaven and looking at hell... You have double vision and you're filled with darkness. So, that there's only one. You either, you either eat from the tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So either the, it's either the kingdom of God that works in you or the kingdom of darkness. There's no middle ground, guys. None. Anybody tells you that? They're telling you a lie. So, when the enemy defiles something, he closes it off, he seals it off, he sears it from, be used by the kingdom of God. It's defiled. God doesn't get out. So what has to happen is it has to be sanctified. We ask for sanctification. We ask for those gates to be opened up. We ask that God would purify those things. So an easy way to start now with it is you, you, you this picture, you know, let's take one. It's uh, I'll take hope. Okay. I, I hope gets defiled. Bad things happen. The enemy does stuff that it defiles, it, closes it off. You ask God to come in and forgive you for how you've agreed with that, and ask Him to purify that, and ask the Holy Spirit to wash it. Just ask Him to move across it. Uh, you may ask God just like that, like uh, uh, um, when they left Egypt, they took the uh, blood and put it on the doorpost. You take that and ask the blood to be put on those doorposts of your hope in your life. And you begin to ask God to open that thing up. Not that you have more God in you. That God can come out and influence your spirit. There's a big difference. So you begin to ask for that that thing. Sanctification. Understanding the price has been paid. You don't have to go work this through. Jesus died already for you. There's no working this through. It's a process. It's a protocol. See, there's a protocol we had with the First Nations here. There's a protocol to heaven. There's a protocol to scriptures. There's a protocol to everything. This is protocol. You're asking God to purify that thing and sanctify that gate. And you take that in your time in your prayer life, not to become more holy, so your holiness will come through your life. Because it will have the same effect. It will change the way you live. I promise you, this will change the way you live. You will sin less doing what I'm talking about. But that's not the goal. See, if the goal was that you would just sin less, he would have to say yes to you, say yes to him, and you die. No more problem with sin. That's not the goal. The sin, the problem is because it defiles the gate, and God can't move within you. That's what it's about. Not the other way. Not that you have all this religious look good stuff, but that God could flow through you and he could be a witness to others and it'd be evident in your life. Do you have any idea when God flows through you how much more fun life is, even in hard times? Paul says, I learned the secret. Be content with a little and a lot. Why? Because God flew through him. Move through him. That's who he had living in him. So he wants this for you not to be good. Because he loves you that much that he wants to be filled. Just as Adam and Eve were. Before they fell, they lived like this. God was the center of their life. They did not look about what they were naked. They did not look about the rules, regulation. They lived for one thing. They let God flow through them. The flowing through changed their attitudes and actions. And it ended up in their lifestyle and what they did. Unfortunately, they were not guarding the gate. Remember A gatekeeper does what? He guards what comes in and what comes out. So the guarding of your eyes and guarding the things is not so you will, you know, have this holy life. It's to protect it so the life will flow through you. See, God's intention is to flow through you in everything you do. His intention is that when you live for him, that the flow of God would pour out on everyone. He is a generous God, as Lynn said. He's a good God. That's who he is. That's, a, that's Genesis 1. Everything he said, he made this, and it was good. Made that, and it was good. Made this, one was good. Made man, and it was very good. He's a good God. He said it so many times, I got it. He's a good God. Just try calling him not a good God and find out how your life goes. Where your heart goes. <laughs> you think God's not good, and he'll treat you that way. He's a good God. Sanctify it. We're just speaking out. Sanctifying that thing. I, I, what's your speech? Not so you don't cuss and don't offend somebody. I mean, you're doing away for that. But it's, it's so that it won't be defiled. That the enemy cannot use you in the wrong way. So, in your prayer. Most of us get hung up in prayer and, and we think it's about how much we say. Now. Let's think about that. Now, it's good to cover, and it's good to do intercession. That's a very strong thing. It's a gift that every one of us needs to do. But the biggest part of prayer is allow the Lord to flow through you. Now, it's not what you think and see and say it to go back to God. It's allowing Him to flow through. Sanctifies the gate. If you allow God to come through something, rather than you fill it up with a bunch of words... If you allow God to flow through you, he will sanctify it. So that's the point. He wants to sanctify that gate. And so the heart pours out a prayer to God. Allow God just to flow through you. Just as as you would go out in in the sun when it's out and lay in it and just bask in the presence. Soak up those rays. You soak up the rays of God. He lives within you. He can just allow him to flow through you. That's how he sanctified that gate. Reverence. Weak point for me. There's a reverence, which is a protocol for God. We have to learn that one. But it's done the same way. Sanctification. Blessing it. God begins to flow through. And What happens? It's not getting more reverence in. It's sanctifying it in God's will pour out and you will have a reverence for God that you didn't have before. Face it, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. This is what he's talking about, one of the many things he's talking about. His ways are not our ways. The world's ways, which is our ways, is outside in. His ways are inside out. Father, I ask right now that you would seal everything in their hearts that I spoke that's truth from you. Lord, I ask that, that you would make it where they cannot shake from it. That it would just speak to them. That your Holy Spirit would speak and echo through every part of their body what you're saying today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you increase your presence in each and every one right now. And the glory would fill their being. This, that, that, that those gates would be open and your flow would be out. And that that would provide light for everyone. You say, that you don't hide under a bushel or under a bucket or under something. The light you put on top of the hill. Lord, I ask that that would come true. That each and every person here would have every single one of those gates enlightened, anointed, healed up, blessed. That your presence would flow through. That you would heal any hurts that the enemy has done to close those saints off. The unforgiveness between one another, the uh, and, and and things that were done were not your fault, totally wrong to you, or the things you did to other people. Lord, bring us to those repentance on that, that we would have that life more abundant, that life flowing out of us, not coming in, flowing out. So, Lord, I ask that you would do that in each and every person's life right now, and I ask that you bless them, in Your holy name, Amen.